begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris and Milton here for Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode number 114 tonight. The topic, as you could probably imagine if you're in the Star Wars sphere of things, which I imagine you are if you're watching or listening to this podcast, we're talking about the awesome new Ahsoka trailer, the final trailer for the live-action live limited series coming out in just a couple of weeks. Ben couldn't join us this week, but he'll share his input next week's episode of, of what he thought about the trailer because there's so much to to break down in this trailer um it's funny though Milan, because it's like as soon as you know the gaze of lucasfilm like leaves indiana jones behind it's like boom instantly we just like oh here's an ahsoka behind the scenes thing oh here the next day here's an ahsoka trailer so they're going full steam ahead with the promotion i mean look i think with how things played out with that particular movie it probably was the smart move to go this route. I mean, we talked about it last week regarding, you know, uh, Indiana Jones bombing, you know, that type of thing. And is Lucasfilm going to continue to move forward with that property or even with Star Wars? I think Ahsoka releasing that trailer is probably the best move. It's, it's, it's smart. I mean, because it's a hot property. Like, everyone loves that character. Um, and they're trying to get away now from the stink of what Indiana Jones was. Yeah, it's a sad reality um, about these marketing cycles is uh, things are quick to kind of get swept under the rug, so to speak, when things don't go according to plan. And uh, we talked about that a lot last week. We got a lot of engagement, by the way. I want to thank everybody that has gone back after the fact and watched last week's episode because that was probably the number one episode we've done on this podcast. Uh, Imagine, you know, setting the tone for a title of an episode where it's not exactly the most positive thing. Like, you know, Lucasfilm... Maybe not doing Star non-Star Wars things got us the most views. So, no, we're not going to tra- chase trends and do negative content. But I just thought it was an interesting look back on last week's episode. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I saw you guys talk about it in the group chat uh, last week. I think I was on my way to work. Whenever I think it was you or Ben were like, hey, you know, we got like, how many you know views or whatnot and i was like huh and i actually looked and i was like oh that's pretty crazy um which i mean that's that's awesome like, i'll take that all day i think that's really that's really cool that people were interested in like other stuff that we were talking out talking about besides star wars or indiana jones so it's greatly appreciated and obviously you know we're here to do star wars podcast but the one comment i went to read it <clears throat> i think you might have replied to it the one guy said it's like listening to friends talk or something like that Mm-hmm. And I took that as he's right. I mean, we're just guys just, you know, on a podcast talking and talking about stuff that we love, whether it's Star Wars, Indiana Jones, theme parks, sports, whatever. We just have a place where we can just be ourselves. So that that comment is very much appreciated. And it's nice to see that that particular video has gained, you know, the numbers. I hope that continues to, you know, snowball and bring in more followers and views. Heck yeah, we're all about spreading the positive reach of Star Wars and what that can do uh, affecting our lives. And speaking of the positive Star Wars affecting our lives, I have a little show and tell. Remember, we if you're listening to this podcast, you can see what I'm about to show you on YouTube.com slash Star Raptor. So join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern because you can join in the chat, see cool things that I might show off and different things like that. So I got in the mail and it's one of those things where I pre-ordered this so long ago that it just appeared in the mailbox and I was like, oh, I completely forgot I ordered this. And that is The Tales of the Jedi Volume 3. I know, guys, it's crazy. In my hands, I have a Legends piece of material. I know it's not often that I show this stuff off on camera. 
Um, not that I'm against Legends, as I've always said, I just don't have time to read this stuff. And it's funny, because I have Volume 3, I haven't even cracked open Volume 1 yet, but I know this thing is so highly sought after that if I don't buy it immediately, it's going to skyrocket in price to like $100-something versus the usual $40. Um, but yeah, this is uh, one of the oldest tales in Star Wars, apparently. Um, I think it deals with like Ulic Caldroma. Yeah, Ulic Caldroma, um, Exar Kun, 4,000 years before A New Hope. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm collecting just the stuff that takes place before A New Hope, basically, or before the prequels even. So that, that's what I have to show off this week. I don't know if you've ever read, I, I, we probably talked about this before, Millard, but have you read any of these old Dark Horse comics from back in the day that have those Jedi in it? Not, I mean, I haven't read anything from Dark Horse that has to do do anything before the prequels. I mean, I think the only thing that's pre prequel to me that I've actually read was Darth Plagueis. Like it was mm. before, but also around that time. Yeah. Um, and then Dark Horse comics came out in like the I guess eighties and nineties of like you know post Return of the Jedi. I've mm -hmm. watched or I've listened, or I've read some of them. So yeah, like I'm not really familiar with that comic book. Yeah, no, it supposedly has this character named Nomi Sunstrider and uh, Marco Ragnos, Exar Kun, So it is setting the foundations. And we had him on the show before, Ben from Star Wars Timeline. He's the guy that got me into this Tales of the Jedi stuff because at the time there was a show coming out which came out and we loved it called Tales of the Jedi. Oddly enough, it had nothing to do with these comics. Now, maybe they can still go back. I mean, they're going to have season two. Wouldn't that be funny if they actually went back and did a Tales of the Jedi canonization of one of these stories? I doubt it, but there's still hope. But anyway, yeah, so I got into that. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to eventually, eventually reading that because just this week we have a new Star Wars book coming out, uh, Rise of the Red Blade, written by Delilah S. Dawson about a jedi turning into an inquisitor so i'm really looking forward to that because i think that's a very interesting look at how a jedi can fall to the dark side and, and work for the empire and what would compel them to do so are they brainwashed are they doing that on their own accord so yeah that's out on tuesday and i'm jumping a little bit ahead there but do you have anything you'd like to say about star wars this week melon uh, i think the biggest thing for me is just like a little bit of a retrospective on the on the uh, sequel trilogy um, oh. I, I was listening to an old podcast, not not of ours, but of someone I listened to before. It, it just happened to stumble across my feed, so I went that back and listened to the review. And again, this is not to be negative. You guys know how I feel about the the uh, the sequel trilogy, especially the you know Last Jedi, Force Awakens. I I think that's a good movie. I I can watch that one and be fine with it. Mm -hmm. I literally had to go back and like listen to these two particular podcasts about the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker. And I am still convinced that they're not that great of films. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm saying is I'm now looking at it from a different lens of, of a fan, you know, of trying to see like, yes, I'm a fan, but as like films, how they were made, like they're a gorgeous looking films. However, there's a lot of illogical things that were done in those films. And it's like, Man, I'm like I, I I struggle to watch them still. I struggle to yeah. watch those particular movies. Okay. However, I'm still going to give them a chance when I introduce my girlfriend to them eventually. <laughs> there you go. It, it now just sitting here thinking about your your retort to all of that and, and, and going back and I think that what Ryan Johnson created with the Last Jedi, if you take the Star Wars label off of that and you just make them all like 
generic named characters and generic planets or whatever, it would be an amazing movie, I think. But I think just the ties to Star Wars itself are what actually get yeah. people riled up a little bit, you know? Because, like, the cinematography, right, right, right. It, it was... the, the cool play on the, the Rashomon kind of thing, like, he said, she said, this is what yeah. happened, that would happen. Like, I like all those elements and, like, the Force, like, talking through the Force with rank. There's, like, really awesome lore and stuff. Like, if it wasn't Star Wars... I think everybody would be on board, but when you're when you're dealing with fan favorite beloved <laughs> hero characters of ten year olds and above, that's when you're dealing with things that could go wrong potentially for people. No, I agree, and and I think part of that retrospective was that I just went back and watched Star Trek two thousand nine and Star Trek Into Darkness, and I love both those films. And it's like, man, JJ really like. I mean, he he you know made those familiar properties really good i mean i know people are mixed about into darkness but i love both those movies and i'm thinking damn like if this was the audition tape for star wars then hell he hit it out of the park and like with force awakens he did i'll, I'll give him credit force awakens was a huge success or the parts about the movie that i didn't really like thought was weird yeah but it wasn't a bad film you know last jedi we know what that was and rise of skywalker i mean again i can't really blame jj for what he had to do with that film i mean I mean, obviously, look at the situation he was in with, you know, Colin Trevorrow being fired. Disney or Lucasfilm tried to, they wanted to redo the script. Then you lose Leia or um, Carrie Fisher. You know what I'm saying? And then you're coming off the backlash of Rise of Skywalker and how that story, or Last Jedi and how that story ended. So it was like, yeah, he was put in a very impossible position to tie off the trilogy. I still think what he should have done with that film split that last movie into two parts because the rise of skywalker could have been a two-part film of, of that trilogy in my opinion i think it could have strengthened the, the the trilogy and ended it off better than what we got but that's just my opinion but that was my week in star wars trying to really go back to those two films really try to better understand them have more of appreciation for those films however i still struggle especially with the last jedi but like i said those are first war problems so it is what it is you're muted oh the thing is with jj he was never signed up to do that third film so like what he was doing throwing out there in ether with writing he's like yeah i'm gonna throw this for for ryan johnson to pick it up and i'm never gonna have to deal with it again and then the problem is when he's having to deal with it again it's like oh crap i was not supposed to be here doing this Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's the thing like, like he yeah. had he tried to he tried to make chicken soup out of chicken you know what with what was given to him at the time. And like I said, it's look, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a storyteller. Like, so who am I to say this? But mm. again, it's, it is what it is. It's a situation, you know, they, they, they tied off that trilogy the best they could. Now, hopefully Star Wars moving forward, will learn from what they've learned from and make consistent films. Um, and something that I also went back to my week of Star Wars. So, you know, how we talked about like the budgets and executives last week. And oh, yeah. Why would we pay, Know, 150 million or 200 million for a film. So this what in this upcoming weekend, Oppenheimer's coming out with mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Nolan's film. Yep. That's how much that movie's gonna be moved for. Budget on that. The budget on it, um, yeah, 100 million. Yes, 100 million. Legit. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> and that's and that's that's a blockbuster summer movie. Yeah, coming out in the prime of July. So you know that film's gonna be good because one, Christopher Nolan, he knows yeah. how to write. He's a real good storyteller. 
It's like, you don't need to make these $250 million movies. And you know they have a lot of CGI in that film because of the old atomic bombs, nuclear mm. stuff. Like, you know they're going to use good CGI, and they shot on location. So mm. it's like, that film's going to probably make $500 million easily, maybe $600 million. I I so, hope, man, because I, I was sending this to you guys in a private chat, is apparently Mission Impossible is also not doing so well, at least of opening weekend. Now, now films could have legs and it could exponentially increase as word of mouth and, and, and subsequent weeks, but it seems like it's between The Flash, between Indiana Jones, and it looks like projections for, for Mission Impossible, all lower than expected. So we were having a talk earlier. It's like, well, that's a whole other topic for another day. It's like, why are people not going to the movies as much? Like, what's the deal? What's the climate of the temperature of, like, why people are doing this and so I, I don't want to open a can of worms now because we're on limited time this week especially but i thought that was interesting but yes i'm planning to see either barbie or oppenheimer i don't know if i'm going to be able to do the barbie oppenheimer thing that people are posting in save day because that's a lot of time but i will at least maybe see one one weekend and one the following weekend or something like that because they, they they both have been getting good buzz as far as like early reviews so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to Oppenheimer and obviously Mission Impossible, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. All right, so that brings us to our show prepper here. Uh, if you are listening, you can always watch us live on YouTube.com slash StarRaptor every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're there talking Star Wars. We'd love you guys to join us in our positive community here in the chat room. We're also available on any podcast streaming uh, networks of your choice, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google Play, anything that can host podcasts, we should be on. Let us know if we aren't on your podcast catcher of choice, and we'll try to fix that. Just look up Outer Rim Transmission. Getting into it, we had a couple releases. I already talked about the one this week, and that is Tales of the Jedi Volume 3. We also have Darth Vader issue number 36 and Bounty Hunters issue number 36. Both of those issues, Bounty Hunters and Darth Vader, are setting up the Dark Droids crossover, and uh, that is imminently abound uh for august uh, it's gonna be a big crossover the third or fourth crossover in this era of star wars it's like how much stuff can really happen in between empire strikes back and return of the jedi but apparently there's gonna be a big techno virus thing going around with the droids and any cyborgs or machine type things so i will of course give you guys the rundown on all those comics that came out this week over on the channel i have the videos for uh darth vader and bounty hunter on the channel right now so Getting into it, we're going to just start off, uh, we have a bunch of news stories, we'll hold them off until next week when Ben's here, uh, all three of us will be here to talk next week about them. So we're going to just cut to the chase, things that people want to hear our impressions, people want to know if there's any cool Easter eggs that me or you may have spotted in this Ahsoka trailer, but I think the best way to start this discussion is just giving your overall impressions, uh, reactions, uh, what did you think about watching this trailer, what was your first kind of takeaway from the trailer, man? Um, before I get into that... If you guys hear any background noise of like kids yelling, yes, my neighbor kids are out screaming, <laughs> playing in the street. So give you a heads up on that. Um, uh, yeah. The trailer itself. Hey, man, we're doing it live. Um, <laughs> the, the trailer itself. I thought it was a good trailer for what it was. I mean, look, I, I'm excited for this property. I think a lot of people know that for the record. I love the the Ahsoka character. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I love the prequels. Um, I love what they did with Clone Wars. So obviously that character grew on fans, especially... If you're in your mid-30s or early 30s, that character grew with you when Clone Wars came out. That was 2009 mm-hmm. when Clone Wars came out. So I'd have been 20-something years old at the time. I'd have been like my mid-20s. 
Yeah. No, no, my early 20s when that show came out. So I, I love the trailer. I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. I'm looking forward to this property. It did what it needed to do to say, okay, we are now a month away. Um, and it was cool to get all the Anakin, um, the Anakin name drops because now oh. it's like, oh, you know we're going to see Hayden. You know oh, we're going man. to see a Force Ghost Anakin. So they, you don't you don't just say he don't say that sentence. Well, Anakin talked highly of you without saying, okay, you're going to see him. Oh, so, man. Yeah, I thought it was a really good trailer. I loved it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this trailer. Milton, I've been jaded by the Disney Plus trailers, and we've talked about it here on Outer Room Transmission about, you know, you come out with, like, a Mandalorian trailer, especially, like, they'll give you the teaser trailer, then they'll give you an official trailer about a month before, just like how we are on this timetable a month before Soka. And usually that, that official month before trailer is just, like, an 80% rehash of the teaser trailer, and there might be, like, one or two added things of a, of a ship or something that's like okay that's not even that tantalizing whereas in this i i there were several moments in this trailer that i was like oh wait is is disney like giving us like a, a movie trailer kind of thing because like with last jedi rise of skywalker force awakens like you had those moments where you know kylo ren's lightsaber red boom it turns into a tri saber you know you have uh last jedi time for the jedi to end with luke like you have those moments and in this trailer i really feel like we had those darn moments in a tv series and we'll get into these shots specifically as we always do on the on our breakdowns here on outer room transmission but uh just things that stuck out to me is like we are no jedi with Balon right in the beginning there uh you have like a really cool r2 lookalike you have major like major plot lines that are revealed in trailers such as uh ahsoka being sabine's tr uh, master apparently um you have you know balon mentioning anakin as you said you have uh vader breathing if you listened enough in the background like there's just like a lot of really cool things sabine ran on a speeder bike just like so this trailer really did a lot more of you know packed more of a punch for me it got me way more excited I'll be honest, I've been kind of like temperate on my expectations. I, I don't know if it's because of Mando Season 3, which is kind of so lackluster to me, that I haven't been as excited if it was like going into Season 2 of Mando or something. It's not that level of hype, but this trailer, as you said, it did its job. I think this is one of the best Disney Plus trailers for a Star Wars series, period. I, I just got so much out of this, and I think it's just the nostalgia also of just seeing Lothal in these animated locations in live action seeing freaking Grand Admiral Thrawn like that I I, I didn't want to really look at the crappy quality pictures from Celebration so I, I I did not dwell on those in the last several months but seeing it in a nice 4k quality it was great because um my little backstory of this trailer how I experienced it was I was literally out the door just about to to go to work to drop my girlfriend off at the train station and i i seen i looked over my photo i was like oh we have to like wait another three minutes before we leave we, we gotta go watch this this on the big screen before we go i wasn't late i had plenty of time to get to work and all that but i was like oh let's watch this on the big screen i hate watching trailers on phones if i can't help it so yeah, we, we, we enjoyed that. She's seen my reaction of Grand Admiral Thrawn where I, I was in this chair. I just like kind of sat up real real suddenly like, oh my gosh, there he is. Like, so that, that, that long story short, I love the trailer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I look, I, I agree with all the points you're making about what the trailer did. Um, and you're right about the Disney's known history of recycling information and being cagey with trailers. 
which I'm sure they showed us some stuff that we didn't see yet. And I'm sure they showed, I know they showed us a lot of stuff from the first trailer too. Now the Thrawn shot, mm-hmm. I've seen that grainy, I've seen the grainy version like months ago, but mm-hmm. I, never, I was like, whatever, it, I'm not going to pay attention to it until I absolutely see, you know, the real shot. And he looked good. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll, we'll get to that later, but I was pleased with what this trailer did. I mean, I think it did what it needed to do to prepare, let's say, hey, the, you, the the first two episodes you need to be ready for them you know and i'm like okay because oh. because you know how they always do those first those trailers we get are going to be from the first two episodes yep. of the show a lot of that footage so i'm i'm excited i'm excited to see what rodario's what rodario's i can't talk today what rosario dawson does with that character I and mean, we've got glimpses of it obviously but now this is her show she's the lead so i'm excited Heck yeah. That was the thing you just slid in there about the two episodes, and that surprised the hell out of me. I was like, you watch the end of the trailer, the first two episode premiere, I'm like, yes, they're treating this just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, this is a grand uh, limited event that we want everybody to just sit down and watch basically like a movie length of an episode. Like, I hope they are like 45 minutes long, so it's like almost like like, an hour and a half or so like little sit down on Wednesday morning. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, the reason why I think this trailer might be better than the other Disney Plus series trailers is because Dave Filoni has always put out amazing animated trailers. Like his Clone Wars trailers, even like the, the especially like the Rebels, even the mid-season trailers for Rebels were just awesome. They had like Maul and stuff in there. Like the stuff that would you make people go, what? Like the So now that we know that Dave Filoni is basically, I think he's directing every single episode and writing every single episode. So he's got like basically 100% full control of this series. And I'm sure he's got control of the marketing too, if that's the case. So he's probably like, no, let me cut the trailer. I wouldn't even be surprised if he actually like cut some of this trailer or something. Like, let me show the fans what they want to see. Because I feel like this is for the fans of Rebels, for the fans of Clone Wars. Like, this is my gift to you guys. Here you go. Get excited for August 23rd or whatever the date is. I, I can see that. Like I said, it's it's Dave Filoni, and I do trust his work. Um, I, whatever you say about Mando season three, I know we that's what it was. I mean, it is what it is. But there are good things about that particular season too. There were some pretty crappy stuff too, but whatever. But with Dave now being in control of a character in a world that he's fully been invested in, I think we're going to get... This might be the best Star Wars show we get. I mean, and I know Mando Season 1 and 2 are clutch. Yeah. This, this might this might be the best standalone show. Heck yeah. Let's dive in a little bit deeper, Milton, and see why we are so hyped about this trailer specifically. And I'm going to start us off with classic Star Wars. Classic Star Wars. You're jumping into the thick of it with a ship in space. I know we've been there, done that many, many times, but the fact is we got a new ship design uh the, the the back of the ship it looks it looks kind of like Krennic's shuttle um so so i thought that was pretty cool and next up we actually get to see them landing on a I, this is a new republic ship and what i really like about this show is they're diving headlong into the into the new republic and i'm happy they are doing such a good job of that because we are so lacking what it takes to get an idea of what the new republic is from the sequel trilogy we've seen it get blown to smithereens and and then it was just all about the resistance so i'm i'm enjoying that um this shot i know it did not come out great i i wanted to just showcase that there's i believe x-wings in the background that look like the ones from the force awakens perhaps so there's that at least i, I have a better image here coming up of um Balon. and this guy this this reminds me of 
the corridor from A New Hope. I mean, he busts in there, orange lightsaber, and just deflecting shots. It kind of reminds me of the reverse of Darth Vader in Rogue One. Like, this guy with the hood looking like a complete badass, you know? I, I just love just this determination look on his face, and he's just walking in with his... I think her name's like... I don't want to say Shiv, because that's another Star Wars character. Shreen or something like that? I don't know. But that, I think these, like that. It might have been on that in the, uh, the the closed captions. You might have mentioned that. But, yeah, I, I love this shot. Actually, this was very much Rogue One-ish to me. It felt like Rogue One, how it looked in the uh, corridor, whenever Vader is wrecking people. Um, she, like, that girl looks good, like, as a fight. Like, she clearly, did, they can fight. You know that they can use a lightsaber, which is what I've been asking for for the past Oh, yeah. Fight years or eight years since Star Wars taken over like have we ever seen in live action honest to God I'm, I wish Ben was here because he would know too when, when have we seen a really good lightsaber duel in live action since oh. we've gotten Star Wars with Disney you're right so this might be the first That's what I'm saying because Mandalorian like, we had dark sabers versus just like Beskar spears yeah. we had Luke Skywalker just killing droids with his lightsaber that doesn't kill droids and that was probably some of yeah. the best saber uses since Disney took over yeah. yeah, obviously that... you had Ahsoka versus the Marshal, which she's in this shot or she's in this trailer, which is cool. Oh, obviously, yeah. Like, yeah. So I I love that we're seeing. Okay, these guys can actually wield a saber. I'm like, this is what if you're this powerful, you should be untouchable with a saber. I love it. Yeah. Um... Openly using a force like it's nothing. It's like okay, finally we're getting like them at their peak of their powers. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of force, this shot here, you got you got Balon just force pushing two Republic guards, just like nothing out of. Uh, I I love this the way these guys are just flying, and then you see an A wing in the background, and he's going up to him, and he's I am no Jedi, exactly like Ahsoka says it, and he just impales the guy with his saber. Like, damn, this is getting serious quick with this. The maturity level, just like just slaying people like that out of nowhere. I'm just like, whoa. And he's and he yeah. looks kind of like Luke Skywalker from <laughs> Jabba's Palace with the way his cloak is. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's what I liked about it. Like, um, he looked good, like, and he looks menacing. It's like, okay, fine. Like, it's like, okay, we finally got a guy that's you you know he looks untouchable. You know he looks like a badass. And it's like, this is what we've been asking for. You know, like, and this mm. goes back to my love-hate relationship. With the sequel trilogy is like you the moment the first time you see Kylo Ren in Force Awakens and he does what he does when he kills uh was it Lars Tekka? Yeah, and then he stops the force bolt or the lightning bolt. It's like, bro, okay, yes, this is our dude. And all of a sudden you, he loses to Ray, makes no sense. However, this Ray's not beating this guy from what I'm from what I'm seeing. Like it looks like <laughs> Ray shouldn't touch him. You know what I'm saying? Like I could see Ahsoka. Killing him, but struggling at times because he's he's been around for a minute. You clearly can see it. So. Yeah, I I'm just excited for Force users that are basically Dark Jedi. I mean, I know that's not really a canonical term or anything, but I mean a Jedi that has fallen, a fallen Jedi that you know maybe he's he's probably not a Sith, but he's fallen from the Jedi Order because the Jedi Order does not exist anymore. So so what happens to a Jedi that somehow escapes Order 66? So have these guys so, been so inquisitors? Think about, like what happened? You're right. So so think about the timeline where we're at in Ahsoka. I assume this takes place... It takes place, what, between seasons two and three of Mandalorian? 
assume or something like that. Yeah, I guess like it's like I think it's all linear. I think this will probably be around season three, maybe a little okay. bit after. Yeah. Oh, like so that. Mando takes place five years. The first yep. season, five years after Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi. All right. So the original trilogy takes place nineteen twenty about twenty three years after Revenge of the Sith. So add on yep. another five, so yep. about twenty eight. This guy's been around since the prequels. Oh yeah, because he, he talks about Anakin. He's like he talks about Anakin like he knew him. He's oh like, my, I, yeah. I know. So, Anakin, so, so think about it. He's got to be what Anakin would have been forty two in Return of the Jedi. But he's got to be what maybe pushing fifty ish. His character is yeah. older. Mm-hmm. So Anakin, if he was still alive, is Anakin Skywalker. Anakin would be about forty eight years old, almost fifty at this point. This makes sense. This is a prequel character that clearly knows how to use a saber and knows how to use the force. Oh, this is what I love about this character. It, I mean, seriously, there's no way he's weak when it comes to his powers. He's been around. Yeah, it's it's nice that he's he... around during the golden age of the Jedi. Exactly, I and mean, this is one of the aspects I love about Star Wars with these trailers is they give you this these mysterious, intriguing characters that you want to learn so much about because they're new to Star Wars, and it's like you're trying to figure out, like you're going through doing the math of. Hey, like, where does this guy integrate inside of Star Wars? Like, how is he going to be different based off of when he was up there with with Anakin on the Jedi Order? So, oh, man, it's just, again, it's so sad that this actor has passed away. um, Because I can always see it now, like, this guy's going to be, like, a fan favorite character. And it's like, no, but we're never going to see anything else of him. All right, no, you're right. And like I said, it is sad because literally... After seeing this trailer, it's like, okay, please tell me, like, this sounds horrible, but hopefully they kill him off because, like, you can't bring him back. Like, yeah. Especially if he's such a hit, hopefully they killed him off already and say, okay, look, like, we got to get rid of you, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, look, I'm excited for this character. Mm. Now, more mystery unfolding here as we have Shrin, as we have Balon, and what is the other character's name that is the step? daughter of bruce lee or whoever that was with the the magi- she's like a night sister i think somebody said at one point yeah it's something with uh, them i think i forget her name yeah but she she's the marshal I, I don't know if she's exactly the maybe i guess she is the marshal for thrawn i guess like she's but yeah. it's interesting because like they're trying to find thrawn it sounds like and they have yes. this interesting like it almost looks like we're looking at this now it almost looks like a stonehenge kind of like thing on this planet mm-hmm. like what is going on she's using this hologram it's setting out the they're trying to find thrawn you got ahsoka trying to find thrawn you have the the, the imperial council as we've seen in season three with because i just watched it the other night with grant uh not tarkin oh yeah yeah the whole council there paleon all those guys are saying oh we're waiting for thrawn's yeah. return nobody freaking knows where thrawn is even his closest allies don't even know where he is so that which, is what's intriguing which i hope they i hope they explain this better because that's where my only issue is coming in about thrawn right now is because you saw him if i mean again this is the a lot of people who probably was like who the hell is Thrawn? who the hell is thrawn they never probably watch rebels you know, so they probably don't i'm talking about average fans Probably yeah. never watched Rebels, so they don't know that he was he went out in the hyperspace with Ezra. Yeah. My thing is though, what's this prophecy? You know, ex- explain this prophecy. Explain, and I'm hopefully they'll do it in the show. Explain the prophecy. Explain like, well, where? How is he the heir to or, or heir to Palpatine? 
does he know Palpatine is still around? You know, does he know about Snoke? Oh, he has to know. Hmm. We'll see. Is, I mean, we'll see. I, I like that angle, Milton, about you're saying a lot. The average viewer might not know who Thrawn is. So my hope, I really hope, like when we see Thrawn for the first time. He better be the most badass villain we've seen in Star Wars in a long time. Like he has to, he's he has gotta to be. give Vader and Palpatine a run for their money. For he's gotta be the Thanos of this Mandoverse. That's what it is, right? It's all leading up to him. So we can't have some, you know, little pushover Thrawn that just gets defeated at every little turn by by the like I wanna see him come in with this grand master plan of his fleet like he does in the books. And just maybe, overwhelming odds just destroys an entire planet or something. Just, I don't know, something to the degree of, like, you go, oh, crap, that's Thrawn. I know that Thrawn. And then the, the other viewers are like, oh, that's the big bad now. Yeah, I see it. Right, right, right. Well, may, may, maybe this is the reason why Snoke was created then. May, mm. Maybe maybe he is. Maybe it was Palpatine, Vader, you know, doing the original trilogy. This is Thrawn's time, but Palpatine is like aware. So he's like, well, let me let me see how this is gonna work out. And something happens to Thrawn, I assume he's gonna get, you know, axe at the end. And then he's like, okay, I need to now create someone else. Like, you know, I need to create Snoke. So so maybe the Snoke idea comes from the, the end of Thrawn at the end of the show. I just only assume that. I don't know anything, but maybe that's where Snoke is created or why he's being created at some point. Mm. So, I don't know. But I you're right. He needs he needs to live up to the hype. And here's that other shot I was referencing with a hologram look. Now, this almost gives off World bef world Between Worlds vibes for me. And we know with the, just the, the first time they showed us the, leg the logo of Ahsoka, like three years ago, it had that World Between World kind of iconography right. on, on the title itself. And it's like, what is this? It looks like an old, maybe this is like an old version of a star map, and they have to find this place in the unknown regions that's, that's brand new to Star Wars that we know about. Like I, I can see that. Yeah, no, I've always felt like this world between worlds angle concept could have been used probably in the sequel trilogy some way, shape, or form, just to like I guess course correct a little bit or even just like just like, you know, re redo history slightly. But no, I, I think if this is if this is very much possible for him to use that particular technique to tell some type of story within the story. Yeah, because Ezra, last we know, Ezra, he's with Thrawn. He's the one that was in the World Between Worlds. So he has that knowledge. And uh, whether or not he gives Thrawn that knowledge willingly, if this is indeed the World Between Worlds, or if he's, you know, kind of tortured or something into giving him that information, giving him, making uh, Ezra use that ability to get back there through another means. Because last we seen, it was, I guess, closed off in the Lothal Temple somehow. Um yeah, it's very intriguing. Um, this is my only gripe with the show is like that's one of the aspects I really didn't like about Rebels at the end is like I felt it was kind of cheap to go in and save Ahsoka that way and and develop almost a time travel esque version of Star Wars. I'm like, no, we don't need that in Star Wars. So I I hope um, we have that baggage from Rebels. Now they're gonna have to bring the baggage back, perhaps in Ahsoka. We got to have a really good explanation, and it can't be overused because we have the mcu we have the dwindling dceu that have both introduced multi uh multiverses that have in my eyes also taken away the risk of character fates and all because it's like oh well we'll just find another version of barry allen you'll just find another version 
of uh, Scarlet Witch out there if she if the other version dies. Like, it's never, they're dead completely. So I just don't want to see that become a thing in Star Wars is my only hope. Right. I, th- I think the difference is, like, right. I, th- I think Star Wars fans would riot if we're just doing those stupid tropes of, like, killing characters off and manipulating it. I mean, I just, there's really no place. I, I, there, I There's no place for it. However, I do like the World Between Worlds you know, concept if they okay. use it yeah. right. Mm. If they use it right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We got another New Republic. Again, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's just nice seeing New Republic officers. That's that's basically the reason why I included this shot in our breakdowns. It's like, yeah, we've seen one of those Imperial, uh, one of those New Republic officers that was in the ship in episode six of season one. And that was actually, funnily enough, played by the voice actor of Anakin Skywalker, Matt Lanter from the Clone Wars. So we get to see, you know, it looks like that Endor kind of officer uniform. Uh, not much has changed. It's very looks similar to the Rebels. Um, but uh, let's see, going over to the next one here. Oh, yeah, this is this is one of the best shots here. This is a great shot. You can pick out a lot of uh, familiar ships. We're seeing the scale of what is ever left of the um, New Republic fleet because... For a little bit of backstory, basically a year after the events of a Return of the Jedi, there was a big battle of Jakku, which was like the, the the defeat or the thought of defeat of the Empire finally. And after that, Mon Mothma put in a demilitarization act, which basically brought down like ninety five percent of the fleet. And there's just a little bit of a defense force left. I'm guessing that's what this is, but they basically don't have a large military anymore. Uh, which we kind of see that in Mandalorian. Like, we don't really ever see these large frigates or, or star cruisers anymore. So, you know, this is one of those things, again, with Star Wars, which I love, is the big Starfleet scenes, like you see in Return of the Jedi, like you see in Rogue One. You see, you know, we're seeing a hammerhead uh, ship from Rogue One, from Rebels in there. We're seeing, a, uh, obviously, a Mon Cala cruiser and different things. So I'm excited to see more of the actual, again, the actual military in, in, in the Star Wars Mandalorian verse here. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And uh, and I'm, I'm excited to see on Mothma again. I saw she was in the trailer too. Um, I mean, she, she plays a significant role, obviously, in the original and post-original trilogy. I'm I'm glad that we got what's her name? Uh, Guinevere O'Reilly, is that yep. the actress name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's playing it again, which is dope. Uh, I, I think it's still a stupid move that, you know, she demilitarized them, but whatever. That's just me. Yeah, it's just like, all right, the Empire's gone. Uh, we don't have to check twice it's or foolish. three times. Uh, let's I just mean, demilitarize it. It's foolish because, like, I know George Lucas, when he made the, the Star Wars, like, he takes the Empire off of the, the Nazi regime. And if you look at world history, the Nazis were defeated, but they all still fled to like Argentina or we, the United States recruited a lot of their scientists and they pretty much tried to build another quote, I guess, quote unquote Hydra, mm. you know, within like Argentina, within our own country. So mm. it's, yeah, it's crazy how the first, how it repeats itself in star Wars with the first order yeah. first yeah, first order, and, you know, rebuilt. So yeah, it's crazy. Here's one of our leaders of the new Republic. We have general Harrison Dula. I like how they took the inspiration from her outfit in star Wars squadrons, which is like basically right after return of the Jedi. So she's got that cool leather jacket. Uh, looks really good here. Played by, uh, Mary Winstead, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like, uh, actually wife of Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan himself. So that's pretty cool. 
Uh, it's going to take a little bit getting used to. I will say that. I, I, I was kind of... This is the one thing that it was like a gripe for me. Is like, okay, her voice doesn't sound anything like Vanessa Marshall to me. And I'm just so... That, that voice is so synonymous with Hera that I'm just like, oh, I'm... I'm going to have to adjust, and I'm sure that'll be fine. I mean, Ahsoka Rosario Dawson was the same way. It wasn't, um, you know, the original actress's name, Emily Eckstein, or um, I said that wrong. It's not Emily Eckstein. <laughs> Ashley Eckstein. Ashley, um, yep. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's just the, that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. You, you can't get... Well, the, the difference, yeah. with, difference with Ashley and Rosario is that Ashley played the teenage version of her, teenager, which is from, like, what? 14 True. to 17 and Rodario's playing the adult version. So Ashley has more of a childlike voice. Yes. Good distinction there. Um, something that we won't have to get our heads around is Chopper is back and looks fantastic. Remember, he's already returned in Rogue One. He had that split second star studded cameo rolling out of the Yavin base there. <laughs> but uh, I I'm ready to see more Chopper. I'm ready to see him take center stage again. It's going to be great just seeing his grumpy self rolling around. It was funny because I picked up that droid I showed off a couple weeks ago from Disney World, and it's a C-Series droid, and it sounds obviously exactly like Chopper. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready to hear. And I'm guessing that Dave Filoni will probably do the voice for that again. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, this I'm probably going to ha have some haters, but I never was a huge fan of Chopper. I thought he was very much annoying sometimes. Yeah. But I think that was... I think that's on purpose because they it make is. his character kind of annoying. So I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> that yeah, that's that's the charm of him is just he gets under your skin. It's like you you want him to do something, and he's like the rebellious teenager. That's like, no, I'm gonna not do it and to spite you and screw you. And he's cursing like a freaking sailor probably and whatever. Here is a scene you reference, Milton. We have a grand. It's not, and again, like, that's why I think I'm loving this Star Wars trailer and why I'm going to love the show is because it keeps bringing those Star Wars archetypal situations, whether it be space fleets, whether it be nostalgic characters, whether it be Star Wars meeting scenes or council scenes, whatever have you. Uh, meeting scenes in general at Star Wars have always been interesting for me. Uh, so you, see, you have Mon Mothma and you have a bunch of other characters that I'm sure we'll learn their names of, but right off the top of my head, none of them look or seem like we should know them yet. I find it's interesting that they have a grand alien, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, I'm very curious to see the inner workings of the politics. Maybe we'll get more politics for the New Republic, which is, again, something that was direly lacking in, in the sequel trilogy big facts i mean i love the i love the politics of star wars i don't i mean i know if, if you're if you're a 50 60 year old star wars fan you don't like that i don't know why but i loved it i think it drives the show it brings something new and fresh to star wars we never got that in the original trilogy they make reference to it but again it, it builds the worlds of star wars so i think it's a good thing Hell yeah. Oh, we have the Lowdown Show in the chat. How's it going, man? We got Edwin in the chat. Go check out his channel. Uh, he does a lot of cool wrestling stuff and a lot of Star Wars stuff. All right. Getting into it. We just have a close-up of Mon Mothma. Uh, Milton, I know you're a fan of this character a lot. Oh, she's a hottie. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think this actress is gorgeous. I, I just Every time she's on screen, like... Especially in uh, Andor, she the way they, the way she plays Mon Mothma is is dope. I mean, I know the original actress that was in Return of the Jedi, 
we that's who she was but you can't tell the difference but i love it i mean it's it's amazing she's a gorgeous actress she knows how to play the she knows the character well she is mom mothma to me yeah it's it's i think you're right like i we're at that turning point now where we've been living with return of the jedi for literally 40 years some of us i've not been a lot around that long but for the better part of my life I think at this point, a lot of us are now looking to see Genevieve Riley as the image in our head for Mon Mothma because, well, Mon Mothma and Return of Jedi had like a two minutes of screen time, maybe not even, probably not even that, and like one or two lines. But Genevieve Riley has really brought the presence of the character to life. And, you know, there's been a lot of expanded universe stories, a lot of canon stories with her on in the publishing realm of things. But it's awesome to see her so prevalent, whether it be during the age of a rebellion or the age of the new republic she's just so f front and forward because she is essentially the president of the united states for all of new republic and rebel alliance she is the top dog so if you're gonna have a story that's revolving around new republic as we're seeing as we keep saying oh there's this thing with new republic like you better have the leadership there to ex give us some explanation of, of why because we got that really important dialogue. I know we talk a lot about imagery on this, but but pointing out some dialogue, we have Hera, who is probably going to be one of the main characters. She's pleading to whoever, saying like, "Look, like we don't want to have another. I don't want to fight another war again, right? Because there's there's stuff out there, and they're probably not believing that there's this Thrawn guy around still. They're like, "Oh, that guy's been gone for six, seven years. He's dead." Right. You know, no, he's out there. I see signs. Uh, we don't have a military anymore. Uh, good luck. You know, it's just like. Well, okay. here's. Well, well, I mean, look, look at the book Bloodline. I mean, I don't know. They don't, they don't reference Thrawn in that book. I don't think. Nope. Like, but I mean, Leia was saying, was Leia in, the, in that book saying how she felt like the Empire was coming back? Am, am I mistaken? Was that Bloodline? I think she was dead in Bloodline. I think. No, no, uh, Leia. Oh, 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 I saw you said uh, Mon Mothma might be dead. Yeah, Leia was, yeah. was blood, bloodline, and there was no mention of Thrawn yeah. at that and, point. And I, and I bring that up because, I mean, if you got Hera saying the same thing about Thrawn, she's like, hey, we got to figure this out, blah, 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 like something's there. Leia saying it in bloodline. Like, oh, yeah. so, where, so So my thing is, uh, where, where, what's Leia doing around this time? Where, where's Luke? Because clearly Luke and Leia have to have heard of Thrawn. Mm. Had to have known. So, like... Like, Mon Mothma should be like, okay, let me see what Luke and Leia think. Or or Hera should be like, hey, let me go hit up Luke or Leia. Like, they're, they're pretty important. Yeah, I think what's going to happen here is Thrawn might be part of this overall plan of, of Palpatine. Where it's like, the, the New Republic is, is so dead set and dogmatic, just like the damn Jedi Council was back in the heyday of the, the prequels there. And they're going to be like, oh, there's nothing else out there. And then they finally decide that, that, to attack against Thrawn. And they'll wipe out Thrawn's forces. And they'll think that Thrawn's forces were the last of the remnant. But in fact, they were not. And it was Hux and it was all Ray Sloan that were out there, you know, constructing the First Order. But by that time, they had thought that Thrawn was the last actual threat. So then they really scaled back. And then when, when Leia, five years before Force Awakens, decides to, in the Bloodline book, they're, they're, they're like, yeah, okay, no, they're all done. Like, for real, they're done, done now. No, they're not. There's still some way out there in the outer, outer rim or whatever. So that's, I think that's a plausible thing that could happen. But yeah, it is frustrating um, with the New Republic. They're just like so non-military at this point. But, 
yeah, here we go. We got our title character, Ahsoka, walking down, having a reunion, it looks like, from this scene of her and Hera. So we're going to see uh, what, what conversation they will be having. And this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. This is a screenshot, basically, of of a Rebels live-action sequence here. This is where the series left off, essentially, is where we see Sabine, like, on that, t on that tower where Ezra was, or Ezra, yeah, where Ezra was, and she was, you know, looking out to the horizon. We're seeing something like that in this shot from the Ahsoka series. So, again, it's it's so cool seeing all this content come to, to come to basically reality, you know? It's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it, it looks good. I mean, you can definitely tell they put some money in his budget uh, or put some 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 budget into the show. Um, yeah, I, I think it's well done. It's pretty much a replica of what we saw in, uh, in, in Rebels. And even with this shot right here you just posted, it looks good. It's the same shot. We saw this, what, a lot in season one, this particular, like, bridge or road or whatever it was and for fans who know the show you know this look this is looked out like this this is one of the main planets in the whole entire series it, it's a reason why it stood out it's a reason why it's in this trailer so i'm excited i'm glad to see that you now get it in live action all right so i had to pull up wikipedia real quick because some eagle-eyed viewers on Twitter, I'm not going to take credit for this. This is an E-Wing. This ship that we're looking at right now to the right side of the screen. This is an E-Wing. And it has ties that go back to Grand Admiral Thrawn. The Republic introduced the E-Wing during Grand Admiral Thrawn's campaign to rebuild the fallen empire. The fighter later served in the fight against the resurrected Palpatine. Built with cutting-edge weapons, shielding, and propulsion systems, the fighter was extremely powerful and well-rounded. It was intended to do something, and it has me open up another page, so I'm not going to read all that. Um, but yeah, that's cool, man. We're getting like brand new ships introduced uh, that are from Legends, so that's always fun. Yeah, no, that's hype. I mean, it looks good. Okay, this one's um, first I mean, this, introduced. This, this, can't, this, can't, this, this particular ship can't be just used for a one-off. It has to be something important. Yeah, this ship was introduced in the Dark Empire comics. That's where it was first brought in. So that's pretty nice. This is sick. We got Sabine with the fighter helmet doing Sabine things. You know, she put even a little like Lothcat symbol on the top there. It's so Sabine. I'm loving it. She's racing that E-Wing as you see it in the background. Uh, just, you know, the need for speed. It looks like Top Gun, Star Wars. Should be fun. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, this, this is within character. I love it. I think, I think they cast it Sabine well. Oh, yeah, and we'll see why exactly in a, in a few more moments here. But just looking back there and seeing the, sh the city itself, all the spires, absolutely beautiful. There's so much to glean from these. Now, this is funny. This is an Easter egg. This this is, I think, a Lego R2-D2 or, like, one of the first R2-D2s ever made in toy form. So it wasn't exactly, exactly the replica of R2, but now... They're going to take that concept and make it a whole new droid. And I'm guessing this is the droid that's in the E-Wing. Probably, you probably can see that mm -hmm. if you look hard enough on it, but I haven't. I'm assuming it is in the same sequence with Sabine. Um, whether or not this droid is going to get more than like a one second of screen time is to be determined. But right. nonetheless, it's pretty cool. Oh, it's, it's cool that they're taking like the old, whether it's uh, Ralph McQuarrie drawings or 
old models of like toys that weren't used back in the day and making them like canon. Yeah. Again, that's what we thought they were going to do originally. And it's nice to see that they're putting them in places where it fits. Heck yeah. Here's the sequence I was talking about where Sabine mentions to Ahsoka, she replies to her with the word master. So that is a loaded term. It's like, okay, master in a sense of like, she is just kind of being her mentor, her guide through the galaxy. Or is there more to it? I mean, we generally look at master as in a sense of a Jedi companionship with a Padawan. So what the hell is going on here, Mel? Do do you think that she might have been force sensitive this whole time, or have or is this just simply like a title, like her, like she respects Ahsoka as master, not maybe as a Jedi? I, it's hard to tell, but this is this is what blew my mind the most, I think, from this trailer. Hey, maybe she was teaching her how to fight at one point. Maybe it's why she's referring to her as master. Yeah. I know they they show a shot later of her like of uh, Sabine reaching out. Like she's using a force or something, and the mm-hmm. guy's like, "You you don't have any power or something." And I think it's a swerve, the fans, to make us think like Sabine's going to be a Jedi. We we didn't get any inkling of that in Rebels. Like we saw that she's a leader, saw that she could pull rank if she needed to, but she wielded the dark saber for for some short period of time. But it's like she ain't no Jedi. There, there was never an inkling to show that. So I I think it's just. I think she, because at the end of Rebels, didn't her and Ahsoka say they're going to go look for Ezra, right? Yep. Well, I believe that probably during those trips or those travels, Sabine probably learned a lot from Ahsoka about, you know, tactics of like military or fighting or defense or whatnot. whatnot. So that's how she could have been her master. I mean, she, she, she's learning from one of the best Jedi ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. There is a lot of precedent to be spoken for um we see it looks like there's a little bit of trickery from dave filoni so the ending of star wars rebels is actually going to be a point we get to in this show it seems like especially from the trailer now seeing the trailer and seeing that mural i think we're going to actually pick up before we see that ending scene in rebels in live action and that's where she cuts her hair as we'll look at and all that so it's interesting but yeah because because remember, we have Trials of the Darksaber, which is one of the best performances of, of the character of Sabine, of, of the actress uh, Tia Sirkar, did a phenomenal job with acting, um, with the emotional uh, kind of response of Sabine, and she's training with with Kanan, and she's using the Darksaber, and all this crazy stuff. So she knows how to use these weapons. She's going to be using a green lightsaber, and that's Ezra's saber they left behind. So I'm I'm pretty sure it is anyway. So yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Like samurai, like you you're training with samurai, or tra- you call them master. You don't have to be force sensitive. So maybe that won't be such a specific Jedi term in Star Wars anymore. Agreed. Ezra. So we actually get a couple lines from Ezra, and he sounds really accurate. Um, I, I'm really liking his look, how he's how he's actually speaking. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing actually him in the flesh and not as a little tiny blue hologram. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to look like when we actually do see him again and what's he been up to. I think the biggest takeaway is what has Ezra been doing for the how many years he's been away? Because do they say how many years takes place post-Rebels? Um. Well, let's see. So this is 9 ABY. Nine years after the Battle of Yavin. We know that Ezra went missing about a year before the Battle of Yavin. 
He's no, 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 Endor. Oh. Uh, this is five it, it, years. Remember, this is remember, like five years. Remember there. Ezra? I thought, so I thought the timeline, and I could be wrong here. I thought the timeline for Rebels, like, Ezra's on the ship. He uses the Force to hyperspace and yep. what's-her-face. I yeah, thought was... the ending of Rebels was at the end of, like, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, the technical ending. But but with Ezra, that was yes. all before Rogue One. So stuff, Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. With Thrawn and all, he didn't exist before Rogue One. Like, that that takes place a year before Rogue One. And then they do, like, a flash-forward, like, several years in the, in the future. And shows, like, oh, Heather Hera had a kid. And then you had... Sabine going with Hisoka, like that's a time. Yeah, me, me, I then I clearly not. I have not paid attention. To, I swear to God, like I thought Rebels took place. I know it took place before New Hope. I yeah. thought it took place like during like. Um, but you're right. You're you're right. You have to be. I'm. I got my timelines all messed up. <laughs> so so now that I'm realizing, it's like holy crap. Ezra, by the time of this show, has been missing for about ten years. If I'm doing my math correctly. So that's right, a Clone long Wars, Rebels. Okay, yeah, you're right. Because they, they do jump forward at the end of Rebels and they explain, like, Endor. I have to go back and rewatch that ending episode because I got my timeline all screwed up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and I think, uh, as Ben mentioned in our chat, maybe one day if we have a slow news week, we'll, we'll kind of try to go over, like, episodes and things to watch to get you ready for Ahsoka, uh, essential stuff. Maybe yeah. if we have time, we'll try to maybe do that. Won't make any promises, but it's it's probably worth doing. Um, something that is really cool and harkens obviously back to Rebels. It mirror this is this image mirrors Kanan's cutting of his hair, um, as we see in season four, I believe that happened. And he's like going on that suicide mission, as he feels it in the Force. It could be his last moments, and he's getting ready. He's getting into headspace, and I, it's just like a ceremonial thing, I I believe, to just cut the hair and then so sabine i'm guessing is doing this thinking of canon of course i love this this moment and this is gonna pack a lot of emotional um impact i feel like yeah it could be i mean it, it definitely could be if they really play it out well yeah yeah uh the lowdown show in the chat is asking do you think ezra show up at the end of the series i think so and we still don't know if this is going to be just a single season. It seems like Rosario Dawson obviously is, you know, campaigning for this to be two seasons. Whether or not she gets her wish, I don't think it's up to her. But I could also see that the, the fact that if this is going to be two seasons, like the the kind of zinger at the end is, is the Ezra shows up. And then it's like, oh, all right, now we got to wait another like three or four years to see what happens next with him. Or if it is a self-contained series, we, we will definitely see him. Yeah, no, I, I mean, if they do two seasons, I mean, it'll be, I, I would assume they already have that decision made. I, I would assume it's already, like, in the books of, like, okay, we can, we can end it two ways. Either we're going to end it standalone or have an ending where it's open book for a second season. So, I think David knows. Yeah. All right, here we go. It's our thumbnail for this week's podcast. We have Sabine Wren, man, and they nailed it. This is so much to the likeness of the animated character. It's really crazy. Um, we, we see a couple of these. Like, I'm thinking of Katie Sackoff and her transformation into Bo-Katan was basically exactly as the animated character. This is on that level for me. I, I, I absolutely love this. Ah, she looks good. I mean, I think, again, they casted her very well. Like, they didn't 
didn't skimp on finding the best actress for it. So she looks replica, just live action version. Heck yeah. Look at this. We got the dream team together. We got Ahsoka, Sabine, and just off to the right there, we have Huang. Now, Huang is a 25,000-year-old droid, and I know that exactly because it's in the Star Wars Timelines book. It's official, everybody. This is a droid that has been around since the beginning of the Jedi Order, way back 25,000 BBY. So I'm very curious of why they're bringing this droid. Why is this droid important? I'd even know he survived the Clone Wars, frankly, because the last we've seen him was in those Young Jedi Adventures, and I'm a huge David Tennant fan, whether it be from Doctor Who or anything else that he's been in, whether it be uh, Jessica Jones as Kilgrave. I absolutely love the actor. So to hear more of David Tennant in Star Wars, I hope he's not relegated to just like a little cameo, like one episode thing. Like maybe he could be on the better part of the adventure. And, you know, we always need droids in Star Wars. Um, maybe Chopper's more with Hera and maybe Hera's not going to be on these adventures as much. And that's why we're going to have Huang as a sort of like pseudo replacement when Chopper's not there. We're going to get the, the droid with Huang, you know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I couldn't care less about the droids. I, <laughs> I just, as long, look, as long, I, I love R2. That's it. He actually served a in 3PO. We're just used to 3PO for 40 years. But yeah, it, let's, let's do something well with the droids because I don't care half the time. <laughs> <laughs> This is a cool image of Rosario as Ahsoka, man. She is into this role. That that expression on her face, just the fierceness of it, it is pretty badass. She's fighting an Inquisitor, or at least we think he's an Inquisitor. He's wearing the same gear. Doesn't have the Imperial logo on him, obviously, anymore. Very curious about that character. I think we'll talk about him more, but I, I just wanted to kind of take a moment to like really appreciate Rosario Dawson um, to her commitment for this character of Ahsoka. Also, I'm looking at her her head tails. They definitely look longer than they did in the other stuff she's been in. So I guess they probably listened to the feedback of the fans, which nitpick a lot of things. <laughs> so I guess they're like, all right, we'll make the mantrails longer if that's going to make everybody happy. Right, which, I mean, that's kind of stupid, but I yeah, she looks good. I mean, <laughs> I think fans need to stop with that nitpicky stuff, especially that's not really important. Again, we we never really seen her as an adult until now. So it's like, yeah, I just wanted them to nail her personality, nail the way she fights, how she moves and communicates. Hmm. So I talked about the Rebels mural before, and we were talking about the epilogue of Rebels season four, and it is so cool and so mind blowingly crazy that we're seeing the actual like artwork of Star Wars Rebels being interacted with by a live action character of the series it's like this weird ass kind of connective tissue that it's like okay that's canon the way that that animation looks is actually what's in the heads of these characters it is so funny <laughs> it's bizarre yeah, it's, it's clearly it's just a replica of the, of the cartoon it looks good <laughs> and fun fact here at celebration of london they actually had it had to have been the screen used mural there on the floor I, I i got a picture of it it's on my facebook somewhere but uh it was pretty neat to be in that it was pretty surreal to be like oh wow this is i didn't even know it was from the show i just thought they were like oh somebody made this and it's just here but now it makes sense because it's literally in the show yeah no i love it 
Alright, we are almost through here. Uh, we have the classic Star Wars action of a turret blowing up a ship, I know. Again, Star Wars DNA, you've seen it in A New Hope. Liking it, seeing Sabine piloting the ghost gun. I can't wait to see the ghost in live action. We've seen it once in Rogue One, but seeing some interior views is going to be really fun. Uh, this yeah, is, I thought... It, yeah. So when, when they showed that shot, I thought... I was like, okay, I'm in like the space battles look legit. They're, they're not they're not skimping on the budget. Like it, it mm. looks like kind of like uh, what was the other show we watched that was like that? Um, was it Andor? Yep. Again, Andor space battles. Or, oh like, yeah. Like, oh, okay, they're really not skimping on a streaming show. Hell no. <laughs> so, Hell no. Uh, this, this is a ship. I don't know if this is from uh, the time of the Republic. I think it could be. I think from the Clone Wars episodes, I think Obi-Wan and Anakin might be in this sort of transport. But it looks like it's um, Ahsoka's main transport when they're not on the ghost. So that's interesting. I'm sure uh, there's going to be plenty of toys made of that. Here he goes. The money, one of the money shots here. Sorry, it's a little dark damage. But Grand Admiral Thrawn, I know we won't spend much time on this. A lot of you have already seen this months ago. But it's cool to see Lars Mikkelsen. It's cool that they're not just hiding this. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to put it out there for everybody. There's no use hiding this anymore. You know Thrawn's going to be in it. You know who's playing him. It's no secret. Here he is. Good. Lucasfilm, do more of that. I'm tired of the secrecy all the time. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it makes no sense to act like that. And I think this might be a flashback because oh. there's no way he looks the same, you know, 10 plus years later after after the end of rebels like he something he has to look different he has to be damaged oh. they, hell they went through hyperspace with broken windows that's a really so, like, good point wow that's a really good point um to see if there is gonna be a uh damaged and scarred throne. there has to be there has to be like he like i mean i know he's a whatever species he yes, is but yeah. i mean he's got the humanoid element to him too so it's like your body can't handle the G's of the hyperspace like that, you know, and again, you had to have fought Ezra physically at one point throughout your time of being in exile. So um, uh, we'll, I could we'll also, see. yeah, I could also see them. Oh, this, they, they got to do it. Like do a flashback and live action of that whole sequence and how he survives. Like what happens if Ezra does like a force bubble? I could see that happening. Like some kind of force bubble to like survive the vacuum of space. It's a good point. I could see that happening. Like he, he's too valuable to be killed. Like he, he needs Thrawn's information, and then by the time he gets it, it's like ten years later, and it's like, oh, the Empire's done anyway. So whatever. Uh, this is a scene you foreshadowed before, Milton, about Sabine possibly, maybe trying to use the Force. I mean, you don't just put your hand out there like that without trying to use the Force, unless like somebody's coming up with some kind of blunt object and you're trying to block it with your hand because you're kind of knocked down. Maybe that's simply what's happening, but I mean, it's nice to think about. It's nice to think about. Yeah. And this is where I said, like, this could be a potential swerve. Cause they probably, I think they could have cut this trailer just to do that to us. I mean, there's no, I'll be shocked. I will say I would probably not like it if she has the force. It's yeah. like, okay, now you're just giving it to everybody. Like Exactly. Just, you know, there was never an inkling in the show, Rebels, that she was even gifted with the Force. She's a natural fighter. She's a Mandalorian, but it's like, no. no. We'll see. It's kind of funny how the screenshot ended up on the, <laughs> the, the face of this character. I just wanted to showcase uh, one of the 
renegades that's running around the galaxy that's looking for Thrawn underneath Balon's watch. I, I think her name is Shrin. Um, and she's going up against Sabine. They're, they're fighting Saber against Saber. We're actually seeing a Saber against Saber thing. We haven't seen that since, I think, Rise of Skywalker. We definitely haven't seen it. Oh, wait, no, no. We've seen it in Obi-Wan because there was that, obviously, Vader versus Obi-Wan. Okay, I'm talking about yeah, so yeah, so I, I was wrong on that. You're right. So Vader-Obi-Wan was a good battle the second time he fought. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, really, when did we get a, a ball-to-the-wall, lightsaber duel, like, like prequel-type, even Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back battle that we were like, oh my god, this was so good. Mm. I haven't gotten that yet. I don't Dang. care what anyone tells me. Don't don't tell me that Rise of Skywalker was dope. It wasn't when it comes to that fight. And don't tell me Last Jedi with the fight in the um, the Red Guards. That don't count. And clearly Luke and Kylo never fought. So yeah, miss me with that. <laughs> uh, another fight that's about to happen. We have Balon and Ahsoka. I think like moments after they ignite, he ignites his saber. So we got we got. This this series is built as a, a samurai swashbuckler or something like that. So there there is going to be a lot of saber on saber action here. This is very much a western. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think this is very much going to be like a western type of, of squashbuckling western where it's, you know the old sheriff meets the new sheriff or hey you know that type of thing as it should be because Star Wars is based off of a space western opera. So I mean let's get it. Mm-hmm. We got good old Hugh Lang there. Yep. And that's where he mentioned the whole Anakin Skywalker line. That is correct. That is correct. He's going to try to get under her skin, maybe try to recruit him to Thrawn's cause, saying, hey, we need more. We need. We could use you to help bring a new a new uh, horizon for the galaxy. You know, Everybody that is an evil person doesn't think of themselves as evil. They think of themselves as their perspective is the proper way and the way that it needs to go. But the means of doing so to the outside viewer is evil. So that's what makes up a good villain anyway. So I'm, I'm curious to see more of him. Hugh Wang, of course. Can't wait to see that guy. We talked about that earlier. Uh, right. I have a very dark image sometimes when I take these screenshots. I don't know why the image goes very dark. Oh, this is what I was thinking. This is a, a Sabine using a grappling cord on the on this character that almost looks like her bounty hunter friend from Star Wars Rebel Season Two, uh, Katya or something like that. It's obviously a male, but I, I just thought it was interesting that like the helmet is the same design. So I was like, hmm, maybe we'll see live action of that character. I'm forgetting her name. She was working for the Black Sun at one point. And finally, this is a question. That's on everybody's mind. It's so fun when you have a character with a mask and you're going through every possible combination, permutation, whatever it be, of speculation of who the heck could be under the mask. And it could be as simple as this is the opening sequence of the show and you just catch up with how good of a warrior Ahsoka is and she just kills this guy. He's a nameless guy that's going after her. I could see that happening within 30 seconds. She kills him, and, it, and that's the beginning of the show. Uh, but it could also be somebody more important that they don't want us to know right away. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think this is just a no-name guy, like the the the, the, the um, Knights of Ren that just get dispatched? Or do you think there could be more to it? No, it's definitely not the Knights of Ren because the Knight, Knights of Ren were soft and they were trash. <laughs> he actually looks like he's formidable. Um I mean, look, it can go either way. It could be a no-name character that gets offed quickly. I mean, we saw that 
in Tales of the Jedi when in like the last episode where that Inquisitor attacks the village and she takes him out, like within five seconds. Yep. That's if people need. Yep. I, I hope people understand. Ahsoka was trained by Anakin freaking Skywalker, and she was also trained by Obi Wan freaking Kenobi, and she was also trained by Yoda and I think Plo Koon at some point a little bit. So like, she's got four of the greatest Jedi mentors ever, and she's that's all a culminating in one character. She ain't losing many battles. <laughs> I'm saying so. Like this, I can see this ending in five seconds. I can send it going for five minutes. That's maybe her toying around, and we've seen her toy with people. She toyed with Darth Maul the final time she fought him. She she was wrecking him the whole time. He's been around forever. That that should tell you, like she ain't no slouch. Nope. She's not gonna lose many. She's not gonna lose many battles unless she unless Anakin himself resurrected, came back and fought her, <laughs> uh, or, or, or Palpatine fought her. That's the only way I can see her losing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely gonna be interesting. I will, I will see that. I will say that. All right, everybody. That you know, does. I was say just to end it like this. This image is a cool image, though. I do like that we're seeing these inquisitors pop up more and more. Yeah, they are so prevalent. Whether it be video games, they are all over Jedi Survivor, Jedi Fallen Order. We're getting them here. They were in animation in Tales of the Jedi. It's great. It's cool. But they they even had an inquisitor. In Star Wars Visions Volume Two, and that was one of my favorite ones because then they even had the Purge Troopers. Right. Um, oh, and Obi Wan had them. Which reminds me, speaking of Tales of the Jedi Volume Two, so on Friday, this should have been part of my Star Wars of the week. I'm sorry to jump in here now. <laughs> at, the, at the baseball game, my my friend Anthony, who was there with me, all, all the guys that I was with, they all like Star Wars except for my friend Drew. He doesn't really get into it, but. <laughs> Anthony was like Milton. He's like he's like you like animation. I'm like well yeah. He's like hey, bro. He's like I started watching that uh, uh uh not Tales of the Jedi Star Wars Vision season two. He's like I love season one. He's like but season two's dope. Blah blah blah. He's like he's like I, he's like I love the duel in, in season one. He's like and I was like do you need to watch Tales of the Jedi? Man. Yeah. He's like what's that? I'm like, oh. I'm like, All right. I'm like if you like Visions, you're gonna love because he loves the duel, the Astro one with the, like the Mega Man looking oh, yeah, robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he likes all of season two so far. I said, bro, I'm like, trust me, like, watch Tales of the Jedi. But no, Dude. that just reminded me of that yeah. when you said Inquisitor and Tales of the Jedi and whatnot. So, yeah. There is nothing better than, at least for a Star Wars, hardcore Star Wars fan like us. I mean, I, I think you can agree when, when somebody like that is excited to, like, dive into something new and you're excited to tell them, like, oh, if you like that, you got to try this. And, like, it gets, gets yeah. them hyped up. It hyped me up like my friend... Just finished Light of the Jedi. I was talking to him earlier today about it, a coworker of mine. I was like, "All right, you gotta, you gotta go and do this book now." And he's like, oh, "I already ordered it." I was like, "All right, good." So it's like, it's always fun when you have those situations where your people look up to us as like the gurus, right? They're like, "All right, what, what should I watch next?" Or, or we recommend this or that. It's like, "All right, we're spreading the good, positive vibes of Star Wars." I love it, absolutely love it. But yeah, that was our trailer breakdown for Ahsoka. Let us know in the comments, like the Lowdown Show was in the comments of what your takes of this trailer is what did you think of the trailer what are some easter eggs that you're looking forward to seeing more of what are you looking forward to the most out of the series what do you hope that it does we're going to do more of a preview of ahsoka later on as we get closer to the august 23rd release date um but yeah i think that is going to do it for us 
here this week uh, without Ben, but he'll be back, as I said, next week, along with Milton again. It'll be the three of us next week. Uh, I, we have San Diego Comic-Con scheduled for this week, and uh, there's going to be a publishing panel and a Star Wars Outlaws panel. So I'm expecting something from the Outlaws panel. We might be breaking down or at least talking about maybe a little trailer or something like that coming out of there for that. Um, so we'll probably touch on that. And and the news stories, we know there's the awards that it's been nominated for, different Star Wars series for the Emmys and all that. So we're saving all that for next week. But in the meantime, where can people follow you? And uh, what are you going to be up to this week, Milton? Yeah, uh, they can follow me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or on Instagram at Milton7Weber. Um, this week, just going to be no normal routine. Gym in the morning, working afterwards, spending time with uh, my family, the girlfriend. Actually, she just got back today from London. Oh. So I'm looking forward to seeing her this week. Um, nah, man, just in any type of Star Wars that I can fit in my life, like I'll fit it in whenever I can, whether that's listening to an audiobook, playing a game, watching a movie, which I actually need to watch movies now on my new 65 inch flat screen. So I'm curious to see what that looks like with the sound bar and how that sounds. So I'll probably try to fit in a star Wars movie or two time this week. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I, uh, so much to look forward to so much to do so much to absorb with star Wars as always, uh, catching up on the new or catching up on, uh, stuff that you haven't read in 20 years. Like I showed off the tales of the Jedi, uh, <laughs> volume three there. So, uh, you can follow me at on Twitter at Star Raptor. And you can also, of course, if you're listening to us, you can also watch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Star Raptor. Uh, I will be painting miniatures probably as I get some free time whenever I have it. Um, I'm usually doing that. Uh, and uh, talking about Star Wars comics here at youtube.com slash Star Raptor. So, and you can also listen to us on any podcast streaming service, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google any of those places, search Outer Rim Transmission. So for Ben, who couldn't be here, for Milton, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, that's going to do it for us here. This was Outer Rim Transmission, episode 114. Thanks for watching. May the Force be with you, always, and transmission.